Welcome and thanks for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Donovan, my wife Jessica and I are the lead pastors here at Destiny Church Praha. We know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. If you want to connect in with us, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media or visit our website at destinypraha.com. Let's get into the Word. As Jess said, the most exciting place in the world to be. The local church on a Sunday morning, right? I really believe God wants to meet with us in a special way this morning. I said to Jess on the way here, I don't know how this word's going to land. I feel like I don't have a conclusion, which is quite strange. So I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to do what He does. Um, But we're in a series which we're calling Faith for the Future. And it was just stirred in my heart this morning as we were singing those songs, sometimes we sing these things and we don't know what we're singing. We sing about freedom and, and, and why do we sing about freedom? And I feel for a lot of us, there needs to be a challenge this morning as to what are you declaring with your mouth, right? We're declaring freedom in this place, A, because that's a scripture, it's biblical, where the presence of the Lord is, there is liberty, the word of God says, there is freedom in this place. But what are you free from? And sometimes we need to posture ourselves into a place of faith, Believing that we walk in freedom, believing that we walk in authority, believing that we walk in victory because of Jesus Christ that lives in us. Amen? Good. So we should only see smiles in this place because we have all the tools given to us by His Holy Spirit to do life, right? And life in abundance. So Jess gave me, she gives me this really cryptic topic sometimes to speak about. I think what she does is she sifts all the difficult ones and then she pans those off on me. But this morning we're going to be talking about detour to destiny. And that's not the detour you had to take because they closed the roads this morning. But this is, um, again, in our series about future, um, faith for the future, we're talking about the detour to destiny. And, you know, even just this morning as I woke up, I realized that (laughs) God... Man, I can't wait to meet him one day, face to face, honestly, because I just was reminded, we're going to be in Jonah today, but I was just reminded of so many people in the Bible that went on a detour, that were on a journey that thought it was going to look one way, and God took them on a completely different journey. And I think some of us can relate to that, ourselves included. And we're going to speak a little bit about Jonah today, probably one of the most obvious ones, beautiful four chapters. Nice short book. We will summarize it. But Moses had a detour, right? The guy spent 40 years in the desert. Peter probably had a detour as well, right? Peter, who loved Jesus, denied Christ three times. And then meets Jesus on a beach. And Jesus just restores him and just reaffirms him in that moment. Peter took a complete detour. Um, We see so many people in the Bible. Joseph took a detour. And I know so many of you personally that are on a detour in your lives where you're maybe here on mission. You're here because there's been a prophetic word. There's been a propelling. There's been a move to be here. And if you're anything like us in the first two years of us moving to Prague, Czech Republic, we were asking ourselves, why do you have us here, Lord? Please reveal your plans and your purposes for us. How many of us are in that space this morning? Three, four. Five, 40. Okay, good. Nathan's got two hands in the air. 
So we're going to look at the book of Jonah this morning. Before we get there, I encourage you to go, go listen on the podcast or on YouTube to Jess's word from last week, um, where she specifically t- t- spoke about worry. And I love it. She didn't send me her notes, but she, the one thing that stuck with me was the difference between worry and concern. And being worried is something that's rooted in not trusting. And the Word of God actually speaks quite clearly, and so does the Oxford Dictionary, about it not being good for you. Anxiety, worry is not good for you. Concern, however, is defined as having a general concern for things that need to change, right? If you take a president or a politician or even the apostles in the Bible, they were concerned for the gospel of God to go out, right? Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. He was concerned with the word of God getting out to the people, right? The big difference between worry and concern. And we're not called to worry, but we are called to concern ourselves with the things of God. Amen? Jess, in her her preach from last week, speaks about having a perspective change on life, not looking at things through the lens of worry, but looking at the things through God's priorities, valuing faith over facts. So sometimes, much like in Jonah's case, we're going to see in a moment, when the facts weighed up against him, when the facts weighed up against Moses, when the facts weighed up against Elijah, and all of these guys in the Bible, what is God saying right now? What do we stand on? What is our faith built on? Worry negatively affects us and is rooted in our lack of trust in God, is how she concluded. So let's look at where we are today. Detour to destiny. My man, Jonah. In the book of Jonah, in the Old Testament, for those who love the Old Testament. And Jonah was a prophet, and we see only one prophetic word that Jonah had to declare to the people of Nineveh, right? And um, it's quite funny because we have four chapters and we have a couple of different scenes across these four chapters. The first one is this prophetic word coming to Jonah and doing like most of us do when God says, go, precious, go, Abel, go, young. What does Jonah do? He runs in the complete opposite direction. He goes, man, that is insane, right? How can I do that? I am not equipped. And he's going to a city called Nineveh, which was a thriving metropolis, right? The word of God, God himself says in chapter 4 that it was about 120,000 people big. So size of Uvali. How big is Uvali? Not even that big. But it was a big, big city, big nation in that time. Um, it was occupying the central position of the great highway between the Mediterranean and the Indian Ocean, thus uniting the east and west. Wealth flowed into it from many sources, so it became a, the greatest of all ancient cities. And of course, because of the wealth that was flowing through Nineveh at the time and the way it was positioned, there was a lot of wickedness that brewed within um, the city of Nineveh. And uh, God sends Jonah to basically go and tell them in verse 1 that they need to turn from their wickedness, right? God needs to repeat that to Jonah in chapter 3 because Jonah doesn't listen. So what happens is Jonah gets this prophetic word in verse 1 of chapter 1, going to Nineveh and declare this, says the Lord. And in verse 2, you see him buying fare for a sailboat to Tarshish. 
which is the complete opposite direction. We see Jonah on the sailboat, and we, I think a lot of us know the story, but for those that don't, I'll tell you very quickly. Jonah falls into a deep sleep on the boat. There's a massive storm that arises. The sailors, which I don't believe are godly men, just given by the scriptures, um, start to cast lots. They go, who, who has brought this destruction upon us, in a sense? Why are the storms raging? Who's out to kill us? Long story short, they eventually fetch Jonah. And Jonah says, I'm a servant of the Lord. They fear him. Jonah says, toss me overboard. So Jonah was willing to die, in a sense, rather than complete the task that God had taken him on or asked for him to do, which is scary. Of course, knowing God and his sense of humor, God picks him up in a big fish. I'm not done with you yet. You're not going to get away that easy, Jonah. You're going to complete that which I have called you to do. You're going to complete the mission that I've given for you, Jonah. Picks him up in what says a huge fish, probably a whale. And I love the scriptures. It vomits him onto the shore. Such a beautiful word, especially if you have a five-month-old. With reflux, that really resonated with me this week. And then God reaffirms this prophetic word that he's given to Jonah. And he says, go into Nineveh. And it speaks that it's a massive city, right? Three days to walk across the city. We know Jonah probably landed on that shore smelling like fish. Said he spent three days, three nights. Probably exhausted, hasn't eaten. Not in a good place. I don't know about you guys. But he ran from God, right? God says, "Uh, uh, uh, let's get back on the track, right? You want a detour, but I'm going to put you back on the things that I have for you. You might land on the shore not feeling your greatest. You might land on the shore not feeling like you're in the best position to go and declare this prophetic word, the only word that we see Jonah given to declare. And Jonah starts his mission to Nineveh. How many of us feel like that right now? Like God's got something in store for you. You felt like he's called you to do something, but the place where you're in right now feels like the worst possible place to be operating from. Amen? Great. Lots of Jonah's in the room. Jonah 3 verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. This time around, Jonah decided, I'm on the shore Let me march into Nineveh. Let me get done what God wants me to get done. Now, I don't know how Jonah felt in that moment. But I can see in chapter 4 that he was not a very happy chappy. He was not a happy man. He was very angry. And he made his emotions very vocal to God at the same time. But let's say he picked himself up and he marched himself into Nineveh. And he was on the first day and he goes to declare this word. And all of a sudden the people start to repent and their hearts start to turn back to God and the king actually declares a fast and the whole nation repents. And in chapter 4, we see Jonah actually very upset because you see God actually set out to destroy Nineveh. And the word that Jonah brought to Nineveh caused a complete turnaround of their hearts back towards God and God actually spared them. And then we see in chapter 4, Jonah upset with God. Why? Do you know why? Let me ask you guys this question. You're all very holy and very spiritual. And Why did Jonah run to Tarshish? Why did he run in the opposite direction? Does anybody know? 
He knew. He didn't want Nineveh to be, Nineveh to be saved. Thought they didn't deserve it. Jonah runs from God because he knows God would take mercy upon the people of Nineveh if they repented. So you see, Jonah believed that the city of Nineveh was so wicked that they deserved what was coming their way. But God had a different plan. We talk about a God of second chances. We talk about the character of man versus the character of God. The character of man that day, even a prophet that was called by God to take a word, his mind was this city needs to be destroyed. These people are wicked. Look at how they've... Look, look how disgusting it is in front of the Lord. They deserve what is coming their way, but that's not God's heart. See, because God sees us through a different lens this morning. So when you walked in here and you feel like you deserve what's come your way, you deserve the, the, the current framework that you see yourself in, that is not how God sees you this morning. He sees you through the lens of Jesus Christ this morning. He sees you forgiven. He calls you beloved. He sees you as whole, not broken. He sees you as one with him, not lonely, not isolated. Amen? Cool. I should probably get to my notes because that was just my pre-preach. <laughs> I'm getting excited because this message, I think, is so relevant for right now. So many of us carry that same posture of Jonah where we're like, we know God's told us to do something, but man, we just don't trust. We don't think... What he's given us to do is good enough for the people that it needs to go to. We almost want to be in control of what God wants to do in his city, in our families, through his people. But the love of God is for everybody. And this is a clear passage. You know, it's actually such, it's such a spectacle in the word of God that Jesus even references this book in Matthew 12. The Pharisees come to Jesus in Matthew, Matthew 12, and the religious rulers at the time didn't like Jesus, and they were trying to provoke him. And Jesus, the man that he was, got very irritated with them. He didn't like the religious rulers or the Pharisees at the time, and most of the time his responses to them were challenging. And he actually rebukes them because they say, Jesus, give us a sign that will show us that you're really who you say you are, that you're the Messiah. And he says, you wicked, I don't know, I'm paraphrasing, but you wicked rulers, you won't get a sign. And he refers back to Jonah, and he talks about the city of Nineveh that received the gospel, that received and repented and turned back to God. So this book of Jonah, although it's four chapters, I suggest you go and read it because it's really, really powerful. The city of Nineveh is spoken about in the book of Nahum, in the book of Zephaniah, Elijah speaks about it. It's a prominent part of the scriptures. So let's get into this. Point number one. God's plans will always prevail. I'm going to say this again. The one thing we learned from Jonah, and if you haven't learned this yet, you're going to learn it, hopefully not the hard way. God's plans will always prevail. In reading this passage and doing some introspection, I realized that there is the work in the plan of God, and then there's the work that he has within me, and the journey that he's got me on personally. And for some of us here, 
There is a, there's a bigger plan for Prague. There's a bigger plan, plan for the Czech Republic. There's a bigger plan for your family. There's a bigger plan for your community, for your workplace. But at the same time, he's working on you personally. There's a journey that he's got you on. And if you look in all the way through all four chapters, God's plans for Nineveh that time prevailed. And if you really want to get technical on your history, the prophetic words actually also come to pass for the city of Nineveh and that empire 300 years later, which is not such a pretty scene, but let's skip over that today. God's plans will always prevail. Most of those four chapters in Jonah, he's dealing with Jonah. He's dealing with the personal journey that Jonah's on. And in chapter 4 specifically, he takes on Jonah directly and he says, Why are you so angry? Do you have reason to be angry? God's plans will always prevail. And he closes in chapter 4 by saying, I almost, and I'm paraphrasing again, have a duty towards my people. I have a duty towards Prague. I have a duty towards this nation, to the Czech Republic. I love these people. I want to see these people live an abundant life. I want to see these people come to the full knowledge of Christ Jesus. And you know what? Sometimes we feel like if we're not the one to take up the task from God, that he'll just give it to Anna, or he'll give it to Jan, or give it to Precious. But in this case, he doesn't let Jonah go. Think about this. And I'm trying to stir something in your hearts this morning. This is now not even in my notes. Sometimes God gives us a calling, and he's patient with us, because that is his character. But there's something potentially that he wants to release in your circles, in this city, in this nation, that is on your life. It's your calling. And you might be sitting there going, well, I'm not in a good place right now. I've got to steward my marriage first, rather. I've got to steward my kids first, rather. I've got to first worry about my examinations and getting through school. I've got to first get the right apartment. I don't have the right roommates at the moment. And much like Jonah, we run in the opposite direction. But I think for a lot of us, we're in a place of frustration this morning because God's got a calling upon your life and he's patient with you. The problem is when we step out of what God's called us to do, like the Israelites did, and just wandered the desert for 40 years. Some of them never even saw the promise of the promised land. And when we step out of the things of God, when we stop listening to his heartbeat, when we choose fact over faith, like we preached last week, right? Because we're faith-based people, not fact-based people. When we start believing the facts before we start operating in faith, we enter into a position where we get frustrated. Things don't feel like they're working out. Things aren't moving. I feel far from God. Why doesn't he hear my cries? Is he not hearing my prayers? I think sometimes it would be easier for just to be swatted up by a huge fish and spat out in the right place at the right time. But I feel this is a word relevant for us. The harvest is plenty in the Czech Republic, but the laborers are few. God has a purpose and a plan. I spoke to a couple last week. It said, oh, we had a prophetic word to move you. And I said to them, let me guess. You're asking God what you're, what you're supposed to be doing, right? What is my purpose here? And they said, how did you know? <laughs> I like, because so many of us ask those exact questions. 
God had a calling for Jonah and he wouldn't let him go. He was patient because there's a personal journey that he had Jonah on. There's a personal journey that he has on each of you. There's something that he wants to take you through. There's faith that he wants to rise up in you. There's a trust, a deep trust that he wants to build in you for relationship with him. God's plans will always prevail. I just trust, Lord, that I never get in the way of what you want to do through with and with me. I never want to be in the place where I'm an obstruction for what God wants to do for the people in this country, in this city, for the people in my workplace. And I can be frustrated. I can be angry. I can complain like Jonah did. But at the end of the day, God's plans will prevail. The word of God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I think sometimes we get distracted with the, with the things of life. Sometimes we get, get distracted with, I don't want to be too cryptic. We get distracted with our emotions towards a particular situation. We get distracted with, I'm just going to be honest with you, I've been distracted by my children over the last while. It's been tough not to get sleep. Right? It's been tough to have the duty of parenthood and at the same time get on with the things of God, right? Because I know what's in, in my heart for this city. But sometimes that becomes a priority. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be a priority in your life, but sometimes it takes the focus instead of God still being the focus. Right? Amen? Does that sound like heresy? Because this is God's character. Put me first, he says. And we don't like this as people. Why? Because my work is important, Lord. My kids are important. My marriage needs to be the most important thing. And they are important, but not more important than God in our lives. Not more important than to what he's saying for you right now. And when we get our things, our priorities in alignment with his priorities... Seek ye first the kingdom. All these things shall be added. All these things start to make sense. And for Jonah, when he ran in the opposite direction and he prioritized his emotions towards Nineveh above the plans of God for Nineveh, it got him into a place where he was far away from God, running in the opposite direction, frustrated, smelling like fish, vomited on. Probably his clothes were burnt up by Digestive fluids, I'm getting really disgusting now. I don't know what it's like to spend three days in the belly of a whale, right? But he got distracted. And I'm just so glad for the city of Nineveh in that time that Jonah got his priorities back in alignment with God's. Although he did it, in my view, kicking and screaming. I don't think he went down without really wearing his heart on his sleeve in front of the Father. And I love it because when you read the scripture, you see in chapter 2 and 3, it doesn't talk about Jonah spending three days in the city. It talks about on the first day, he starts to declare. He hasn't even walked through the city. And God starts to change the hearts of the people. Why? Because his spirit is there. Because God's plans prevailed. It wasn't about Jonah. It was about his availability. It was about his obedience to walk out the things of God. Sometimes the calling on your life will be so big that you feel you're not equipped, that you feel you're not in the right place, that you haven't had enough rest, that you need to prioritize other things before the call in your life. Sometimes it's just about being available and positioned 
for God to do what He's going to do in and through you. God, may we get this this morning, Lord. I haven't even looked at my notes this morning, guys. This is just in my heart. The other thing we take away from this passage is that we serve a God of second chances. I meet so many people that look at the God of the Old Testament and they think, oh man, he's, he's ruthless. He's hardcore. In this passage, which is the Old Testament, FYI, we see a God giving second chances. Not only to the city of Nineveh, which, by the way, greatly moved God's heart. We've spoken about this. Repentance moves God's heart. We see this early on in scriptures as well. Um, in Abraham's time, where people are starting to, I think it's Abraham himself actually, starts to wrestle with God, saying, Lord, will you spare them if there's just one person, if there's just 100 people, 10 people, one person that will turn from their wickedness and repent. That moves God's heart. So God gave the city of Nineveh a second chance. But more importantly, he gave Jonah a second chance. And we might look at Jonah and we look at the prophets as being people that are called, called and people that are set apart and people that are special. And 100% there's a calling of God in their lives as there is for each of you. But Jonah purposefully turns in the opposite direction. But God is patient with him. He gives him a second chance. And I feel for some of us in the room this morning, we're feeling like you can't come to God. You can't lay at his feet. Your past is too bad. Your history is too terrible to mention. Or maybe you're very much aware of the purpose that he has for you, but you've been burying it. You've been suppressing it. You've been running away from it. He's a God of second chances. He's a patient God. Why? While his plans will always prevail, he's also at the same time at work within each of us. I'm going to close on this, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of a testimony for Jess and I. But um, God's desired outcome is not always aligned with our expectation. I'm going to say that again. God's desired outcome is not always aligned with our expectations. And we see this because we see Jonah running from God because he knows that God is a compassionate God because he will take mercy upon the city of Nineveh. That wasn't the desired outcome that Jonah so desired to see for those people. I just think about David as well, facing Goliath with the armies behind him. And I think there was a different expectation for that day. But there was something in him, the call on his life, that changed that situation. And sometimes what we expect, even as the commanding officer is expecting something to happen, right? Holding the infantry back for 40 days, God's desired outcome was different for that time. And the Israelites still came to victory. What is God's desired outcome for your relationships, for your family, for the city? Have you asked? For those of you specifically that are in a place of frustration, sometimes you're saying, God, what is our purpose? 
What is the plan you have for me? But sometimes maybe that dialogue needs to change. Maybe it's like, God, what is your bigger plan for this city, for this nation, for the people that I interact with every day? Let God start to break your heart for his bigger plan. Because while he's joining with you, while he's journeying with you personally, start to align yourself with what his bigger plan is. And I promise you, when you start to align your priorities with his plans, your frustrations seem to grow strangely dim. Your problems seem to be less of an issue. They come less into focus. And you start to get excited about the things of God and what he's doing, right? Sometimes this is us asking ourselves, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this season? Why don't I hear you? Why don't I feel you? Why are things not working out as I expected them to be? You know, when I read scriptures like this in the Old Testament, I think to myself, Don, how disorientated are you? (laughs) How disorientated are you that you can say, like Jonah said, I am angry, Lord. And he says, who are you to be angry? Don, who are you to have expectations, your own expectations of what I'm doing? And the Word of God says His ways are not our ways. And I think sometimes we need to acknowledge that. The way that He's outworking things in your life, the way that He's outworking things in your community around you might be different to the way you expected them to go. They might be a little more uncomfortable on the way there. But God had a plan like He has a plan for this city and for this nation right now. I want to tell you a little bit about a story very quickly. So Jess and I moved from South Africa to Czech Republic five years ago, just over five years ago. And partly the reason for our move here was to get away. Call it what it is. It was a job move. We prayed into it. Of course, we felt peace about it. And we said, yes, Lord, that's a good, peaceful feeling. We will move like so many of us do. Right? But we didn't know the plans God had for us here. We still don't know the plans He has for us here. But we choose to believe in faith of the fact. It's exactly why we want to plant a Czech church next year. February, in fact. Can I say that? I've done it now. It's public. We don't know what that's going to look like, or who's going to serve that body, or if it's even going to work, but we know what's in our hearts. And we know the call of God in our lives. We don't have the capacity for it. We certainly would love to steward more time together, more time with our kids. We'd like to prioritize things above that call. I'm just being honest with you, being real for a second. But man, if he's birthed something in your heart, (laughs) there is something inside of you that's like, I've got to do this thing. Even if I don't understand how it's supposed to work, even if I don't have the full blueprint yet even if i don't have the big vision and that's exactly how god works throughout his scripture he says go he says get the israelites out of egypt and go i will look after them pillar of fire at night cloud by day manna from heaven that is how he operates 
So we moved over here. One of the major reasons for moving over here was we couldn't fall pregnant. We carried the worry and the stress and the anxiety of doing community and doing church and worrying about everybody's stuff and everybody's things. So much so that I really felt that that weighed heavily on Jess's physique. And we couldn't fall pregnant. We tried for two years. Let me tell you, we moved for work because we felt peace of God. But when we landed here, Jess fell pregnant naturally, almost instantaneously. Actually, it came as a bit of a shock to me. I was like, yes, first month's rent. Okay, also pregnant. Well, cool, Lord. If you're going to accelerate this thing, let's do it, you know. Why not just change everything at one time? Sound like him? God started to exercise grace towards us. And we came here with the notion to lay low. We didn't want to know anybody. We, didn't want, we wanted to sit in that shadowy back pew of a church and hope nobody found us. We didn't even pick up an instrument. You guys, most of you have never seen me play music. I'm a musician. I, we do that on purpose, right? We wanted to lay low. But there was something inside of us already in month four. In month five, Jess was pregnant, vomiting her lungs out. First pregnancy is fantastic. We were tired. But God's like, no, 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 there's a calling on your life. I want you to start worshiping. I want you to gather people. And we connected with a bunch of folks that started this thing called Overflow. And before COVID hit, that thing was 250 people worshiping from cross denominations. And we saw God move. We were ministered one evening by North Koreans. Come on. There just happened to be a North Korean interpreter in the room. We saw Catholic priests read scripture over us, be moved by the Holy Spirit. We saw the things of God execute on our lives when we said we wanted to lay low. I go to work most weeks going, I need to spend more time in the office. I am so backlogged. Because of this, often, and the little bit of time I try and devote to a lot of you people, I have a huge backlog at work. And every week I go in there with this anxiety that they're going to fire me one day. Man. But you know what happens? They promote me. And I'm not making light of it. But what I'm saying is, and Lord, oof, this comes back at you when you preach it. But Father, I want to be where you want me to be. Could I do with more sleep? 100%. Could I do with more time at the workplace? Absolutely. Could I do more time one-on-one -on -one with my wife, just having a good time? Could I spend more time with my kids? Yes, all of that. But there's a purpose and a calling upon Jess in my life. This was never in our plan, never in a million years. It's still not in our plan. But we cannot argue that there's grace on, look how many people are in this room. A year and a half ago, we were 20. We got 110 on the books as it stands today. We're talking about a second service. We're talking about a check location. Because when God's hand is in something and we listen to the call He has on our lives, just being available and positioned, God is able to do something. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Let's close our eyes. Father, may I please never waste a Saturday writing notes ever again. But I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it is so alive. 
Father, I want to pray for every single person this morning that has a calling and a purpose upon their lives. Everyone that knows distinctly what it is that they are here to do, Father, may they get on with it this morning. I pray that you silence the noise in their life. Take away the distractions. Lord, bring into focus your priorities in their lives. May it start with one small step. May it be like, cool, you're on the shore right now. March into Nineveh and just do what I've told you to do. And watch what I will do. Be positioned, be available and watch what I, the Lord, will do in your life and through you. And if it's a thousand people, if that's the vision, if it's for a thousand people, then God bless that. If it's for one person, bless that, Lord. Father, I just want to pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you breathe onto every purpose in this room. May you fan into flame every purpose, Father, that has been suppressed, that has been extinguished, that has been kept undercover, that has moved out of priority. Father, by the power of your Spirit, I ask that you fan that into flame. And Father, we know that when we seek your kingdom first, when we prioritize your purposes and plans for our life, Lord, we trust in faith, Lord, for you to sort out the things, I want want to say in the slipstream behind us, that you sort out my children, Father. You sort out my marriage. You sort out my workplace. You sort out my friends and my community. And that doesn't mean that we devalue those things at all. It just means that we reprioritize and put you into focus first, Lord. And then we trust for your hand of grace and your promise upon our families, upon our relationships, upon upon our workplace, Father, that as we steward you first, those things naturally come into alignment with what you say they are and how you've designed for them to operate. Father, for anyone in this room that's sitting there going, I don't know what the purposes are for God, of, of me, from God. I don't know what his plans are. I'm asking him. Father, I ask that you start to give us a slightly different perspective. May we start asking, what are your plans for those around me? What are your plans for this city? What are your plans for this nation? Father, how can I serve your bigger vision? Let me in on your bigger plan. May you help us to stop focusing on ourselves. You look at chapter 4 of Jonah. When Jonah is really pleased by a, a leafy plant that God springs up over day to keep Jonah in the shadows, in the shade and then destroys that plant at night. And Jonah is very angry and upset. And he's so focused on that thing that he ignores the 120,000 people that have just turned their hearts to repentance towards God. Father, I pray that for anyone that's asking, what is my plan and my purpose? Lord, that you change our focus this morning. You've refocused our attention. May we not be focused on the things that are frustrating us, but may we be focused on your plans, the bigger plan, Jesus. I pray by the power of your Spirit to give us fresh eyes to see your plans in our life, Lord. Father, for anyone that's asking that question, what is the plans and purposes? We know that you give us your Spirit, but you also give us your Word. So Father, I ask that you turn us back to your Word. And the Word of God says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. If you don't know what he's saying right now, if you can't hear him right now, for whatever reason, retract to what the Word of God has instructed us to do. Grab a friend, share a cup of coffee, 
Talk about how good God is in your life. Get around a scripture. Pray for one another and see what He can do through you and your availability. Father, I want to pray for this church. And Father, I just pray that we have a clear view on your purpose and your plan for our body in your bigger kingdom, the church, in this city and in this nation, Lord. I pray that you keep our minds clear from never getting frustrated or feeling like, I don't know, it's all on us or ridiculous things like, oh, we have to be all things to all people. No, Father, may we just steward the purpose and the plan for this body well, Jesus. I pray for the leadership in this church. May you continue to reveal your plans and your purposes to us. So Father, I just pray for your Holy Spirit just to fall on your people right now. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you're transforming us, that you're propelling us forward. Father, I just pray that this word germinates in the hearts of everyone that's here and that will hear this on, the, on digital media, Lord. May we just reorientate ourselves back to you, refocus on you. We thank you that you're the God of second chances. Jesus, we love you. Amen.